promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, God. We give thanks to you for your name is near. People tell about your wondrous works. When I choose a time, I will judge fairly. When the earth and all its inhabitants shake, I am the one who studies its pillars. I say to the boastful, do not boast. I say to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn against heaven or speak arrogantly. Exaltation does not come from the east, the west, or the desert, for God is the judge. He brings down one and exalts another. For there is a cup in the Lord's hand, full of wine, blended with spices, and he pours from it. All the wicked of the earth will drink, draining it to the dregs. As for me, I will tell about him forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. I will cut off all the horns of the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Amen. Our reading today comes from Ezekiel chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet. I listened to the one who was speaking to me. He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you must say to them, This is what the Lord God says. Whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. But you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, and do not be afraid of their words. Even though briars and thorns are beside you, and you live among scorpions, don't be afraid of their words or discouraged by the look on their faces, for they are a rebellious house. Speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are rebellious. And you, son of man, listen to what I tell you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. So I looked and saw a hand reaching out to me. And there was written a scroll in it. When he unrolled it before me, it was written on the front and back. Words of lamentation, mourning, and woe were written on it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we've, we've gotten done with uh, Ezekiel and the crazy chariot of God. We've gotten done with uh, what Paul Zoll calls a UFO, <laughs> unidentified uh, flying object or a flying saucer. I think he called it once. It, it's a, it was that weird picture, right, of of the creatures and the wheels and the throne and the fire and the rainbow and God's presence. And now we have God speaking finally. All throughout the first chapter, the only voice that we hear is the voice of an army. That's, that's what we're hearing is this voice of an army coming. 
the the, the God's voice uh, coming forth as as marching troops from the north of, of the the army of Babylon coming to finally destroy uh, Jerusalem and to remove the promised people from the promised land to bring them into exile uh, that they might repent basically. But here we finally have God speak. And this is after Ezekiel has been uh, found to be prostrate. He's fallen himself down upon the floor uh, and uh, upon the ground. Uh, and and it's, it says that, that God speaks to him. He says, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. Uh, this word son of man, it's an interesting uh, description of him. Uh, only because uh, more often than not, as Christians, when we hear the word son of man, we tend to think of Jesus, right? We tend to think of the God-man. We tend to think of of uh, the promised one who is to come that you read about in Daniel, that he, he stands before the throne of God as the son of man and his kingdom is going to have no end. That's Daniel chapter 7. But here, it's more of an address to him of saying, okay, now you're a human being. You are a son of Adam. You are a sinner. You are flesh. You are bone. You are, you are not God. Okay? That's that declaration there of you've seen all these godly things, but now, son of man, you are not God. And he says, now stand up. But you only get to stand up because I'm telling you to stand up and I'm going to speak with you. And then it says, as he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet. And I listened to the one who was speaking to me. It's this beautiful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, church, where uh, instead of some sort of ecstatic expression, as we usually see the Holy Spirit, instead of it being some sort of um, crazy uh, uh manic thing of the spirit coming upon us and we speak in tongues and we dance around and we say alleluia and all this stuff. The spirit is actually doing a particular work to number one, come in and give life. Uh, spirit being both breath and wind uh, in Hebrew and in, in Greek, this, this spirit entering into him. And that is why he was able to stand up. The spirit raising us up. It, it gives us picture of death and resurrection almost as though God's, God's uh, glory comes to Ezekiel and kills him. And now the spirit comes and raises him up to give him uh, a new life, a new commission. Before he was in exile, he was nothing. He was a priest without a temple. And here now God has come to him and to give him something. And he does it through his spirit. He raises him up. He lifts him up. And it enters into him, and by it entering into him, his ears are opened to be able to hear. That is part of the work of the Spirit, where the Father speaks, and Christ is the word that is spoken into our ears, and it's the Spirit that opens our ears to hear it. Here the Spirit is raising up Ezekiel and opening his ears to hear. One of the most important things for us is to, to hear God. And it's, it's, it's especially fitting here with, with Ezekiel chapter 2, because we're, we're covering in the entire chapter today, because we are a people who tend to not like sermons, right? Uh, 
I'm a pastor. I, I'll admit it. Uh, a majority of my people, uh, some of them enjoy sermons, but usually most of us do not find sermons to be all that enjoyable. We don't like being preached at. Right? We don't like being preached to. Uh, most of our young people, uh, being one who does a lot of work with youth and children, don't like people uh, pontificating. We get bored, right? We, we'd rather be entertained. And so that's part of the reason why we enjoy preachers who are basically stand-up comedians, right? They really have no substance to what they're going to say. We just want to be entertained. Well, it is that through the working of the Spirit that we are are put to death, we are killed, and we are raised to new life. So too, then, we also have the Spirit coming and uh, rotorooting our ears, (laughs) that we might hear the Word of God, because otherwise we're going to do whatever it is that we want to do, uh, when in fact what it is that we need is we need the Spirit to come and and drill through all all of... uh, our, our uh, desire for anything but God to open up our ears, that we might hear the word, because it is through the word that we have life, remember? That's what Christ says when he is tempted in the desert. He says, uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says that to the devil as the devil's trying to get him to turn stones into bread what it is that God has to say to us and what it is that God has to say about us is more important for us than what we are to hear basically anywhere else. And so it is here that it's interesting that Ezekiel being called to be a preacher, being called to be a prophet, the first thing that happens is his ears are opened. That is what we we, we should be teaching our pastors. It's what I have taken to heart is the reality that for me to be a good preacher, I have to preach to myself. I have to allow the word, whatever word it is that God is, is bringing to me through the lectionary or, or whatnot, the spoken word, his written word, I have to allow it to do its work on me before I can do, have it do any work on anyone else. And that is what we need to have happen. And so, so it is, it's fitting that here Ezekiel is getting this call, and this call is one to open up his life for the word to do its work in him, that the word might go through him to his people. And so God speaks to him again. He says, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, or, or in the Hebrew, it's more the children of Israel, uh, these sons, these children of, of, of Israel. To the re- and I love how he, he calls them this. He says, to the rebellious pagans or Gentiles, to, to the rebellious non-Israelites, basically saying that this house of Israel is not who they claim to be and it's not who they were when I called them. That, that it's, it's basically a slur against them. That they are not who, it is, who they are supposed to be. They, they basically live as pagans, so they are no longer the people of the promise anymore. They, they are something else. Not, but they are not uh, Israelites in, in a sense. That, no, see, calls them, it, my translation says Israelites in the Christian Standard Bible, but, but it, it, children of Israel in the sense that not necessarily Israel, but the children of, uh, but this rebellious 
house, rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. Quite literally, it's this, the, the entire Old Testament is the story of this attempted war of, of independence or war of rebellion uh, between Israel and their God, where they want to be God, just like we have happened in Genesis, Genesis 3, where we think we can be God. They want to get rid of God. They want life without God. And that's part of the reason why the exile comes. God says, okay, I'll give you what you want. I'm going to give you a world without me. And so he sends him off to exile. So he gets sent to his own people. The children of Israel or the Israelites and their fathers or ancestors have transgressed against me on this day. They've pushed against me. They've broken covenant. They've broken peace. They've broken friendship with me. The descendants are obstinate, or uh, the the Hebrew literally is it's hard of face. That stubborn uh, could be another way to put it, and hard-hearted. Uh, the, the, there's no mercy or love or grace in them, and so it's no wonder then that they turn themselves away from the God who is grace and mercy and steadfast love. Those things are not existing in them, so they don't want that in their God. They want some other type of God. I'm sending you to them, and you must say to them, this is what the Lord God says, (laughs) that this thus saith the Lord. You are going to them as a preacher. And that's part of the reason why we don't like preachers either, right? We don't want a thus saith the Lord. We don't want a God who speaks to us, because if this God speaks to us, then we have to actually listen, because we have to be concerned about what this God is saying to us. Because he then says, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Basically forecasting, saying, okay, you're going to show up. Some of them might listen. A large percentage of them are not going to listen. You're going to come to them and you're going to say, thus saith the Lord. And then you're going to tell them what is going to happen to Jerusalem, what is going to happen to the temple. And they're not going to believe you. And then it's going to happen. And and then suddenly they're going to realize that they had a prophet in their midst in Ezekiel. That it is that many times, church, in our lives, in our ministries, all of us have a ministry of some way or another, We have no clue the impact of what it is that is happening in uh, our lives Uh, and in the work that God has given us to do until um, oftentimes it's too late (laughs) that that, uh, God sends us to a particular place and we do this particular work and uh, oftentimes we see no fruit zero fruit. We, we think it's worthless. We think it's pointless. We think that whatever it is that God has called us to do is, is not doing whatever it is that God has called us to do. But then it is later on in life, we discover that somehow because of love, because of mercy, because of grace, there was an impact and a care and, and, and an expression of, of God's uh, working in whoever it is that God has chosen to work. And here he's saying that again to Ezekiel, saying, you, you're going to go and you're going to feel worthless and pointless, and yet I'm going to work. And then he gives an exhortation, an exhortation that I think all of us need to have, because he says, but you, son of man, do not be afraid. And I think that is a key for us as well, because when it comes to our own evangelistic work, our own preaching work, our own ministry that we do amongst people, or even if it's something as small as inviting people to church, 
We're afraid. We're afraid of what they might think of us. We're afraid of what they might think of our church. Sometimes we're so proprietary that we don't necessarily want to share whatever it is that we have in our church with others. And, and maybe it's also our fear that, that we see particular Christians in the church that uh, are not shining examples of virtue and grace and mercy in Jesus. <laughs> and we're worried that if our neighbors, if our friends, if people that don't go to church find out that we do, that we're kind of like those kinds of Christians rather than being real hypocrites, real sinners, ones who are willing to embrace that, be able to say the reason why I have a Jesus is because I am a sinner, because I am a hypocrite. And here in a way, God is trying to bolster him, saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of their words, he says, that they're going to say some things to you. They're going to know some things about you. They've known you for a while, Ezekiel. They're going to know your past. They're going to say, how dare you be able to preach this to us because you don't know. Uh, you, you, you think you're better than us, Ezekiel? And here, God is saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I will be with you, is he, what he says. Saying, even though briars and thorns are beside you, the, the words in, in the Hebrew, when I looked them up, it's, it's closer to like uh, defiers and despisers people who are going to do the exact opposite of what you say, people who are going to hate you, people who are going to attack you, these scorpions, he says. Don't be afraid of their words or discouraged by the look on their faces, for they are a rebellious house, because Ezekiel is going to go as sort of an ambassador for God, as one to stand in for God, and the way that they treat God is the way they're going to treat Ezekiel. So we should not be surprised. Jesus even talks to us about this, right? That if we were to if we are going to go anywhere in the name of Jesus to do His work, we're going in the name of one who the world crucified, who did not want to listen to His message, who actually hated Him because, well, for one, He forgave sinners without cost. He forgave sinners without repentance, and we don't like that. We much prefer our pound of flesh, and so we killed Him for it. This one who died on a cross, publicly humiliated, and we we are surprised by the possibility that we might be harmed, we might be hated or persecuted because of this message that we bring of Jesus. But we shouldn't be surprised if we come in the name of the one who sent us to minister, to speak. We shouldn't be surprised then that the world that doesn't want to have a God is not going to want to have us either. And it is that God sends us as grace-filled people, as mercy-filled people. It's part of the reason why the world turns against us, because we should be coming with that message of mercy and grace, which is not a message that the world likes. He says, speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house. I jotted down in my, um, in my, my margin two things. I said, number one, you have a job. <laughs> you have a job, Ezekiel. You have a job, church. God has given you a job. You have this task. And whether it's uh, to 
preach or to teach or to listen or whatever the case may be. You may not want to do it one day or another, but it is that we, what we do in the church. It is the gifts that God has given us. And secondly, I wrote in season and out of season, because that's what we're told to do too. Preach the word in season and out of season. Preach the word at times when it doesn't seem like it's worth it to preach it. And other times it's more worth it because the reality is, is that the word is going to do its work. Just like the spirit entering Ezekiel, raising him from the dead, opening his ears, putting God's words in him. So too, then it is this call for us. And it's also, I also wrote down lower expectations because we have these expectations that we're going to preach one sermon or we're going to talk with someone about Jesus. Or we're going to invite them to church and suddenly revival is going to break out and they're going to be dancing in the aisles, singing hallelujah. And, and that's not the case, is it? It never is the case. Uh, we think that our kids, if we get them confirmed, they're going to be committed to the church. When the reality is, is usually confirmation is just seen as this painful hurdle that they have to go through. And then they ride off the church for a while until stuff hits the fan. And then usually they come back or at least they have kids and they decide, well, I want my kids to be moral. So I'm going to bring them to church. When in reality, the church is not for making people moral. The church is for uh, raising immoral people from the dead and forgiving them for their immorality. (laughs) But I also love, I I looked this up in the Hebrew as well. um, And one of my commentaries shared it too. That when he when he says uh, there at the end of verse seven, for they are rebellious, it's actually a noun. It actually says, for they are rebellion, almost as though they're embodying rebellion. And isn't that us, church? Isn't that us? That our sin, that our transgressions, that our iniquities, our rebellion against God, and that that we are in this rebellion so often. That and that's the reason why the the word comes to us. Uh, of death and resurrection because we need to lose we need to be put to death and raised to new life by the spirit that comes to us first in our baptism and then it comes to us every day of our lives as we hear the gospel preached to know where it is that we are failing the law digging into our lives to help us know our failings but then the spirit coming to raise us up in the gospel of life in jesus Well, finally, the chapter finishes. And you, son of man, listen to what I tell you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house, saying, don't be like them. You're to have your ears opened. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. I love that picture of eating the word, devouring it. So I looked and saw a hand reaching out to me, and there was a written scroll in it. When he enrolled it before me, it was written on the front and back. Words of lamentation, mourning, and woe were written on it. That's not fun, right? It's not about victory. It's not a rah-rah speech. It's actually coming and saying, woe is me. Things are not going to go well, but devour this, eat it, and preach it. And sometimes that's what we're called to do, to bring some bad news in order that the good news might be better. But here we try to make sure that the good news is always left to you. Because the wonderful thing that we can take away from this chapter is that God has sent you a preacher, church. Whether it's me, my my hope is that it's your local pastor in your church that is there to not only show you your sin, but show you your Jesus who takes that sin away. 
that that uh, the pastors are commissioned not to be political figures, not to get up and tout one candidate or a political party. They're not touted to. to they're n- not called on to get up and 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 rail against whatever sort of immorality it is of the day that they're choosing to to slam. But instead, they are called to give you life, to preach into your ears the word that will raise you up. And that is what we hope we're doing here, and that is what I hope is happening in your church. Well, beloved, prayers for you this week. Um, as, as you go throughout this week, we're heading closer and closer to the end of the liturgical year, and then we're going to be starting Advent, and it's going to be a wonderful time. I always look forward to Advent. We're already listening to Christmas music in my house. Uh, I know, you can condemn me. I don't care. Jesus loves me anyways, and I want to be able to hear it. Uh, of oh, Come, let us adore him, and all those other things. But I hope that you do share this. Uh, we're, we're getting some more listeners in various places. We, I just had a new listener in Australia. Continue to have someone that's listening quite regularly in Germany. A, a new listener in Sioux Falls uh, and, and quite a few other places. Continue to share this. Hand it out to others that they might listen to it. That they might uh, be able to dig into this wonderful book of Ezekiel, but also be able to hear this word that gives life. Let us pray. Lord, we beseech thee to keep thy household, the church, in continual godliness, that through thy protection it may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve thee in good works to the glory of thy name. Through thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next week.